Are you thinking about starting your own cash practice? Maybe you've already started your own practice and you're starting to realize that there's a lot to learn when it comes to business. We can be great clinicians, but if we don't understand the business side of having our own practice, we're going to have a hard time being successful in business. Guys, I wrote a book for you and I took everything that I've learned over the last five years of running successful cash practice here in Atlanta. And I put it in this book and I gave you everything that you need to be able to start and scale that practice past yourself. That book is called Fuck Insurance. And if you don't like the title, the book is not for you. If you do like the title, it's the exact book that you need to be reading right now. I show you exactly how to start. I show you what's important when it comes to marketing, when it comes to sales, when it comes to operations, and what stage you're actually at in the business. You know, where you're at, what you need to focus on while you're there, and how to get to the next stage. I'm trying to set it up in a way where you can get some clarity in your business. And the book for now is 100% free. All you have to do is go to finsurancebook.com. That's finsurancebook.com and get your free copy of the book that I wrote specifically to help you be successful in business. The book is free. All you got to do is pay for it to get to your door so that I don't lose my shirt on giving everybody all these books and sending them around the world. And again, head to finsurancebook.com. Learn how to run a successful cash practice today. So here's the question. How do physical therapists like us who don't want to see 30 patients a day, who don't want to work home health and have real student loans create a career and life for ourselves that we've always dreamed about? This is the question and this podcast is the answer. My name is Danny Matei and welcome to the PT Entrepreneur Podcast. Hey, what's going on guys? Dr. Danny here with the PT Entrepreneur Podcast. And today I've got an interesting uh, case study, uh, something I think many of you may uh, subconsciously be dealing with. And hopefully this helps shed some light on what I see as a very detrimental um, habit that, that many people have or view uh, a lens, I guess, of the way people view things that I see stop people in their tracks even when they're trying really hard to make progress. And uh, I'm going to give you some context for this. So, so this will make more sense. I'm going to dive into uh, what I see and, and what you should be aware of. And um, I had a, a consulting call uh, this week. And on that call, we were talking to uh, somebody that, um, you know, on paper is doing really well, like pretty successful <clears throat> is, um, you know, around $10,000 a month in their, their cash practice um, still has some room to grow, you know, on their own. And uh, as we're looking at variables, we want to look at a few things, right? So like, how many visits are you seeing? What are you tracking? What are you not tracking? What's your average, you know, visit rate? You know, where are some fluctuation there in terms of what you could be charging, uh, you know, for your area and your skill sets, um, you know, and, and then what things are you doing that maybe you shouldn't be doing, right? So how can we reclaim time? And uh, this individual, as I was talking to him, you know, I started to hear some, some, uh, some things that, that I hear a lot with people that end up um, having to do some work on money uh, relationship uh, issues that, that um, it can come from a lot of different ways, or a lot of different places. Maybe it's how you're raised. Maybe it's, you know, things you were exposed to. Um, but the view of finite, you know, versus infinite amount, uh, scarcity versus abundance, this idea of people not having enough or you not being able to charge what you're worth. Uh, this is a really tough place for people to be as a business owner. And um, the other thing too is, you know, understanding that reinvesting in your business is like a cost. Uh, if it's 
provides you either more time or the capacity to generate more revenue is an investment. And in some cases, many cases, as you grow, that happens to be in people, right? So as we look at this, uh, this case in particular, what we end up coming to the conclusion was uh, with was that, that this individual needed a, a part-time administrative uh, person to help them with a lot of things they just really didn't like, right? So managing their inbox, you know, social media things, uh, you know, email marketing, uh, calendar uh, management, following up with patients, all these things that when you're looking at it, if you're, if you're, if you're seeing about 80 visits a, uh, a month, 80 to 100 visits a month, you know, you're probably end up spending an additional 10 to 15 hours per week just on things that are administrative related that someone else could be doing. So for us, we look at this, you know, part-time sort of position, which is what a lot of people end up doing that we work with is they bring on a, a part-time, um, you know, administrator uh, following structured systems that, you know, we help uh, them create or we've already created and they, they utilize so that they can be efficient um, and they can reclaim their time as well as stop doing things that they don't like because part of this is management of your energy level so just think about this for a second so if you have to sit down and let's say you hate uh, you know emails or documentation right which is something we all do right so if you hate that how much energy do you have while you're doing it and and how many things would you absolutely prefer to do over that like you'll go go in like fold an entire basket of laundry just to not have to to do those notes and delay the the documentation that you know you have to do because there's like slightly less resistance with that task that you can get some instant gratification from as soon as it's everything is folded in back in the basket and and you're like oh good i, I accomplished something when you really know i need to do this other thing but you don't want to do it now this is something you can't really outsource but uh if it's like email management and in, inbox and your inbox scares you because you have all these unread emails you can have somebody else do that and if you have somebody else do that, how much of your mental bandwidth do you get to keep? You know, how much of your attention do you get to focus on other things? So when we look at these individuals, like um, non-revenue producing entities in the business, administrative support staff is part of that. What they do is they create time bandwidth and mental bandwidth for you to where then you can focus on the things that are more revenue producing activities, which would be, in this case, seeing patients or getting patients in the door, or maybe you do programming on a recurring basis. And that's a, a revenue stream for you. But in this case, it, it was it was kind of a hard sell, like for, to be able to justify the fact that this person needed uh, administrative help, because it was viewed as a cost, right? A cost versus a asset, an individual that is a functional part of your company is an asset, and they gain your time back and they help you produce more money. Otherwise, why would anybody hire them, right? So once we get over this hurdle, the other thing is how do we pay for that? So how do we get, how do we pay for that other person? And what most people say is like, okay, cool. I just, um, you know, this is how much profitability I have. Now it's 12 to $1,500 less or whatever the part-time person ends up costing you per month. Well, and that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is how can I spread the cost uh, across the people that I'm working with and be able to pay for that without affecting my profitability directly? And for us, this is the direction that we really prefer to go, which revolves around, um, either price point changes. Uh, in, in most cases, that's the easiest place to start or improving your profitability in another way. But if we look at something as simple as, let's say it costs you $1,500 to get somebody, it's a part-time admin, you know, um, just as an easy number to reference. Let's say that's what it is. And let's say you're seeing 100 patients a month, 100 visits a month, hour-long visits, each one of them, um, let's say you can increase your price point by 15 bucks. So let's say you go from 
175 to 190. Now all of a sudden you're $15 more profitable on each person that you see. That means that's $15 times 100, which is 1500 and you've just paid for your admin person by slightly changing your price point. And honestly, the difference between 175 and 190 is nothing in the eyes of a consumer. And this is where I want to get into this habit that I see is pretty detrimental, but if you can justify, all right, cool, 15 bucks. I raise that times 100, it averages out over a couple of months as you get new people that come in at those rates. Um, and <clears throat> people that are finishing maybe packages up that are slightly lower. Now all of a sudden you get your 1500 bucks and you get you know, 15 hours or more of your time back per week that then you can be doing other things, which might end up being seeing more patients, which is even more revenue producing or working on infrastructure so that then you can bring a staff member on and that person becomes very valuable to your practice very, very fast. And you didn't even have to pay for it. You let everybody that you work with subsidize basically that individual. And as I brought this up, you know, one thing that uh, this individual said was, you know, that, you know, well, this county next to me, like there's a lot more multimillionaires there. So maybe that would work there, but I guess they could drive here and, and uh, you know, we're not that far away. And I, for me, like I hear this and I think like, do you think that only multimillionaires can afford to come and see you at a cash practice? And for some of you, I would pose this question. If you have a cash practice, or you're thinking about starting a cash practice uh, of any sort, you could be a trainer that's listening to this and you, you know, you charge X number of dollars per session, whatever. But do you think that only ultra wealthy multimillionaire or, you know, people that are making multiple six figures a year in income can afford to work with you as a cash practitioner. Because if that's what you think, that is going to narrow down the pool of people that you can potentially work with by a massive amount. And there's not there's not that many of those people around. I mean, it depends where you're at. There might be a large number of them in more uh, certain areas more so than others. But what people are paying for is the solution to a problem. And that's based off of value. Many factors that don't involve price point. And in particular, you know, I'm working with this, uh, uh, this like tax strategist uh, specialist that sort of helps with like entity creation of businesses and the, the right way to structure those as we have a little more complexity going on with our, with our companies. And uh, the first thing she said to me, she got on the phone with me and she was like, listen, I'm not your average CPA. She goes, I'm the Ferrari of accountants. Like, there's very few people like me in the country. And I was like, that's a badass way to introduce yourself. <laughs> like I should start saying that as a physical therapist, maybe you should as well. And if, if she had said that, and she said to me, you know, I'm gonna do all this work for you and it's going to cost 500 bucks. I would think there's something wrong. Right. And it's much more than that, <laughs> which is equivalent to a Ferrari pricing to work with somebody. Right. But it it's because they're really good at what they do. And, but if it had been too low, I would have thought something was wrong. Like, this is weird. If you're if you're the Ferrari of accountants, why are you so cheap? Right. Uh, so when we do this to ourselves, and we undercharge what other people are charging in your same area. Here's the thing. If you are in the middle, uh, you're not doing yourself any favors you're basically just lumping yourself in with everybody else. I would prefer that you be the highest priced person in your area. And that gives you in a lot of ways, uh, perceived credibility. Oh, they're the most expensive in the area. They must be the best. How many times do you look at something that's the most expensive commodity? You know, it's the most expensive cheese. It's the most expensive 
cut of meat, whatever. Oh, it must be the best because it's more expensive. Why is it? I don't know. That's subjective, right? Like hard to say, but the perception to the consumer is that you are. So when we look at this idea of, Hey man, let's, let's do this. Let's adjust pricing 15 bucks, you know, to go to this point where 75, one, uh, 175 to 190, uh, that's a $15 difference. But to hear the pushback of, well, I don't have that many multimillionaires in my area. To me, that's a money mindset problem. That's an association with the fact that what you do, only few people, only a few people can actually afford to work with you. And when you do that, you put yourself in a position where you basically alienate these other folks. You will not try to get them in because you are uh, assuming that they can't afford it or are not willing to pay for it. And that is a really shitty thing to do to other people. Really, really crappy thing. Like I tell a story about my, uh, you know, one of my buddies who is probably one of the wealthiest people that I know started a, uh, a, a company that basically helped with drop shipping that he sold to Amazon when he was like 18 years old. Um, then he started a Romanian virtual assistant company that had like 250 assistants in it, sold it to another company. And now he owns a blueberry farm in North Georgia, not because he makes a lot of money off his blueberry farm. He doesn't need another dollar the rest of his life. He just likes the lifestyle. And, you know, he dresses like a, he dresses like a hipster farmer, basically, right? Always in Birkenstocks. He makes his own shorts out of pants that don't fit anymore or whatever. Um, he has an old, like, mid-90s Honda Accord. You have no idea that this guy is probably worth, like, you know, $50 million. And he goes to uh, Williams-Sonoma to go buy a set of knives uh, whenever he was in Atlanta, uh, one of the last times that I saw him. And he's really into cooking. You know, he's like, wants to get this really nice knife set, some Japanese knife set that he's like obsessed over. And uh, so he goes in there and the person at the store uh, basically tries to steer him over to like some other brand that was significantly less expensive. And he like knew why, because of the way he looks, right? And he's like, no, I want these. Like, I'll just take those. Can you wrap them up for me? Takes it to the, the register and buys it, whatever it leaves. And, uh, but I was having this conversation with him because of the, per, the appearance that he has, the appearance that he, you know, intentionally gives off, which is that of someone that looks like they have very little money and cares very little about the way they look. Uh, did it, it, it really irritated him, right? He was like, that person was trying to sell me an inferior knife product because they thought I didn't have any money, right? And I was like, well, to be fair, you don't look like you have any money. But the, to associate somebody with that, you don't know. You assume something for them. And that is a terrible thing to do. Like, don't talk somebody out of a service that you have that might really need it and value it. And whether they're a, you know, blueberry farm owning billion or a multimillionaire or not, doesn't matter. You would have known that from the looks of this guy. Yet when we do that with other people and we assume, oh, just because this person is a, you know, police officer or a teacher or whatever it might be, their health might be really important to them. You know, they may really, really enjoy and get a lot of uh, stress management out of competing in like, you know, whatever running events or triathlons or, you know, weekend soccer or whatever. Um, who's to say what they value and what they associate their value with. That is the thing you want to avoid. And the only reason that you would think people can't afford what you do is because you think what you do is too expensive because you probably wouldn't afford to pay or you wouldn't pay it for your own self. Like if you wouldn't pay to work with yourself, there's a real problem there. Huge problem. If you don't think what you do is super valuable and very much worth it and an absolute steal because people are getting 
massive amounts of quality care. They're getting somebody that is looking at their problem, actively solving with them. They're an advocate for them. They're, they're, they're helping them solve a problem as fast as they can, as well as teaching them how to take care of themselves for life. And if you don't think that that's worth what you're charging, how do you expect other people to think it's worth it? And if you only, you know, perk up and present yourself in the way that you should, when you know somebody has a bunch of money or they, you think they have a bunch of money, that is just the wrong approach. And you're missing out on a lot of people. It's going to be very detrimental to your business because there's not that many people out there. And I know what this feels like because I was like this very early on in our practice. You know, I would see people and, and I'm like, all right, well, I, get, I can only see this person once because they obviously don't have any any money, you know, and I would rush things and I would try to like cram things in. Um, and look, in some cases, it's true. Like, and they might, they'll probably tell you that. Like, hey man, like, like I see the value in this, but I could probably only see you once this month and then once next month. Like, you think we can put something together where we can work on this? I'm like, sure. You know, I'll do as much as I can with you during, during you know, these sessions. But now I know. I saw a guy that came in from uh, Fort Benning. Uh, he's, a, uh, he's a medic. Came up to see me. I saw him once for this uh, shoulder problem he had from jujitsu, which wasn't going away. And um, I'll see him again, in, you know, in a month. And that's probably all I'll see for him. And I'm programming for him. And, and I'm spending more time with this guy because of military connection more than anything else. And, and uh, uh, but we're transparent about that, right? You know, versus if I saw somebody that came in and I knew that, you know, they already hadn't told me like, Hey, I can only probably come up here. It's a long drive. I only probably see it twice as, you know, I don't make that much as guys, you know, lower enlisted, uh, soldier, then yeah, I'm not treating it that way, right? I'm going to, I'm going to program just exactly what I would for everybody else. But that's a little bit of a different situation. When you assume everybody doesn't have any money unless they roll up in a freaking, you know, you know I don't know, Mercedes or something like that. Like you're, you're pigeonholing people that, could very well be great, you know, people to work with. You could change their their ability to do the things they like in the world physically and help them get back to things that they value a ton, you know, regardless of what you think they have or they don't have. So I think you have to ask yourself, would you be willing to be seen at your own practice and pay what you pay? Would you buy a package from yourself if you had an injury? You know, would you pay your price point? And if the answer is in a resounding, absolutely, this is a freaking steal. Well, how do you expect anybody else to feel that way? As well as when you talk to them and you have a communication like sales conversation, which is basically just anytime you're talking about coming in, that lack of confidence, uh, of, of internal belief, it is very apparent to other people. Very apparent. I mean, we're very, very attuned to the way people move, the, the inflection of their tone and their voice, uh, confidence or not. Uh, you know, and, and if somebody's not confident, we get, uh, have alarms that go off that's like, shit, am I getting screwed right now? Like, is this person... Uh, is this person for real? Are they, are, are they scamming me? And it's not that you're doing that. You're just not confident in your own skill set or your own product because you don't think it's worth it. And that comes off as something negative to that person you're talking to. And it's a very low likelihood they're going to come in and have trust in you. So you have to be really careful what you think and what you say. And if you catch yourself saying things like that, oh, that person doesn't have enough money for this. Oh, I can only work with this. This group of people has a lot of money. Like I just want to work with attorneys because I know they have money. Or I don't even work with, you know, whatever professional lump in there because I know they have money. You have a money mindset problem. You have a confidence in your own skill set and what it's worth problem. And if you can't fix that, in particular, while it's just you, how do you expect the administrative person that you bring on who is going to be answering the phone, probably the first point of contact for a lot of people they are going to be inquiring about working with you, how do you expect that person to have the same confidence as you 
when it comes to how you speak with people and engage with them about how you can help them. They're never going to be as good at selling your product as you. That's not their business. You're not the, they're not the provider. They're in a tougher position. So if you don't have that ultra confidence, if they don't see these little miracles you help people per, you know, provide uh, and, and outcomes that they get on a daily basis, how do you expect them to have the confidence and the conviction to push people to work with you if they think the same thing? Oh, this is so expensive. I would never do that. Like I've had to work on this. Every staff member we have, every single staff member we have, we've had to work on this, talk about it. And it's hard for a lot of people because a lot of it has to do with how they were raised and how they're brought up. And I can tell you this much, you know, with this individual, this is going to be a problem with admin as well as a staff PT if they get to that point, because it's going to be a reflection of how they look at it, of how they handle these situations. So you have to be very careful of what you think, what you say. And when you catch yourself, when you catch yourself with these negative thoughts or these subconscious beliefs of what people have, what people don't have, what people value and what they don't value. You have to be aware of that. The first step is being aware that you have a problem with that. After that, you have to start training that out. And the easiest way for us is to look at the people that we work with and the value that they get from working with us and the things they get to go back to and how much appreciation they have for the fact that we've helped them get back to whatever it is that they want to do. Like what, what is the return on investment for somebody to be able to play with their grandkids, you know, after uh, coming off of a, a knee surgery that wasn't ever fully rehabbed and all of a sudden you help them reclaim most of their functionality. You know, wh- what's that worth? What's it worth for, you know, a mom after, she, after she's had a couple kids to get back into the gym with the people that she likes, not have stress incontinence and feel confident that she can get back to the workouts that she loves so much around the people that she enjoys being around. What is the return on investment of that? Does that person have to be a multimillionaire to be able to have the access to the treatment that we're able to provide people? Because we put a, uh, you know, a, a, a line in the sand and say, hey, I'm not willing to see three people an hour. I only want to see one people in, or one person per hour so that I can get them the best outcome so that I can be 100% in on them during this, this visit. Like, is it fair that you know, we can only work with the uber rich in that context? Not at all. And the other thing is, keep in mind, the, 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 the field is very level now in comparison to even five years ago with deductibles that people have skin in the game that they have, whether they know it or not. And even if, you know, they think their insurance is great, oftentimes it's not, you know, and if they're staring down a $4,000 deductible and they haven't met any of it, in many cases, we are a more cost-effective option, but irrelevant, or that's irrelevant in comparison to how you feel about what you do. I don't care what somebody makes, you know, I don't care how much money they have or they don't have. They're an adult. I'm not coercing them into buying some supplements that are going to do shit for them, you know, and they're just going to piss it out and it's just going to sit on their counter. Like I'm helping them making a buying decision. If they're appropriate to work with me, you better believe I'm going to talk to them about what we can do and how we can help them with as much conviction as I possibly can have. Cause I know what we can help people do. I see it. I've seen it through 2,800 people that we've worked with. And, and that's one of the best ways to really break this false belief of what you do is expensive. Like think about those people. Think about just how appreciative they are. Think about all the things that they've been able to do. Think about the people they send your way because they like what you do so much. Think about all the places that they went before they came to see you that didn't help them, that wasted their time and money, and now you're able to help them and you did. And just how much they're totally willing to pay for that because they know they're getting a professional to help them solve a problem that's listening to them and gets them back to the thing that they love. That's valuable. 
And if you don't think it's valuable, how the hell can you expect anybody else to think it's valuable? Patience, staff you bring on. And this is where we see this alignment problem. <clears throat> and not to get too, you know, in the weeds with this, but if if you're thinking this, right? If you're thinking, oh man, I, what I do is so expensive. I, I wouldn't do this. I can't believe people will pay for this. And that you're trying to grow a business. How do you think that's going to work out? That alignment issue is is going to get worse and worse and worse as you get more and more people and as you bring more people into your company. And eventually, it's going to turn out really bad. You're going to you know, ruin it. You're going to burn it all down because you have so much friction internally about what you're saying, but what you're subconsciously thinking. And that's where I see the biggest change for people. It's not necessarily in these early stages. It's when they have to go from, you know, you, you can you can be an amazing clinician and people will come and see you just because there's not a whole lot of them out there. And a lot of them are not willing to work with people in a, in a one-on-one setting to where they can really use their skill set in an effective way. And we can get really amazing outcomes in a short period of time with people this way. So you'll get word of mouth referrals and that'll happen, right? But the problem is, if you do not build that skill set that it is going to show itself in a much more leveraged way when you bring other people on, it's not going away. It's not going to get any better. It's literally just going to sit there, fester, and it's going to show itself in your employees. And then you're going to get frustrated with them. And you're going to say, well, why aren't you selling more packages? Like, why aren't you doing this? Like, why aren't you, why did you just discharge this person after two visits? Like they had back pain for 10 years. And it's because it's a reflection of the way you view things. And they see that lens through the same lens that you view things through because you're their boss. You're their mentor. So it's up to you. You have to solve your own problem before you bring other people in the equation or they will have the same exact problem as you. And the time to learn this, the time to work on this is now before you scale and you grow to multiple people because it will not work out well. You will have a lot of turnover. You will wonder why. And then you'll start to realize that when you look in the mirror, it's you're the problem. You, that's it. You can't blame anybody else. You have to work on yourself. And as soon as you do that and you improve your ability to lead, you improve your ability to 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 really understand what your value is, reflect that, you know, both externally, internally with your body language, with your tonality, with what you truly think you do and what it's worth, people around you will start to fall in line and do the exact same thing. You cannot be hypocritical about this. You can't. It is, a, it is a flaw that I see over and over and over again. And one of the things that people don't think is a problem until it is. And usually it happens when they're about to grow to a point where they have to bring somebody else on. And if it's unresolved, it turns into a serious problem for the business. Tons of turnover, um, which slows the business down. It makes people very, very frustrated and can end up ruining your business long term. You know, so for, for those of you that are dealing with this, if you're dealing with a money mindset problem like this, if you're dealing with lack of confidence in what you're worth, you have to start to resolve this. Think about the people you help. Think about how much better you are than many of these other options that people pay so much money for. You know, just think, hey, 5,000 bucks for a stem cell injection. Jesus, that's a lot of money for potential, you know, a change. Who knows if that even is valid or not? You know, sure, I see people that have good outcomes. I see people that know outcomes, but I sure wouldn't want to roll the dice on that for five grand. Maybe I just pay somebody a thousand dollars conservatively. They can take care of this problem solved. I save myself four thousand bucks. Like, dude, you could be that person. Thousand dollars, right? That's five visits at two hundred bucks. Say you just saved somebody four thousand dollars. There you go. Switch the way that you look at it, you know, and now all of a sudden you're a value. 
So you have to really work on this. These are just simple ways to kind of start doing that. Um, but I hope this makes sense because I see this a lot. At this point, we've had a chance to work with hundreds of clinicians that are in their own business, that are scaling their business, that are just starting. And more often than not, it's not the hard skills. Like people think like, oh, I'm not that good of a clinician. I'm not good enough of a clinician yet. I've got to uh, go to this certification, this certification. And what they don't realize is it all starts with mindset. And then from there, it's the business skill set that makes the biggest difference. Like mindset of you as a clinician and a entrepreneur and what you're trying to do is pivotal. It's the foundation of what you're going to do from there to scale to, you know, 10 to $30,000 a month. It's sales and marketing, sales, marketing, sales, marketing. After that, it's leadership. You know, it's, it's hiring, it's systemizing things, but to, to get to a point where you're, you know, you, you can bring a lot of cash into a business, it's sales and marketing. And after that, you know, it's, it's a different skill set. So you're constantly having to change and grow. And this is an area uh, from this, I was just fresh in my mind. I wanted to chat about it is this money mindset side is terrible for a lot of people. And you know, it's the way you're raised. Money doesn't grow on trees. Money's the root of all evil. Like un unlearn the crap that you were told when you were a kid, right? Uh, from the people that, that were lived through the great depression, they have a very different view on money than, than you and I should in terms of, you know, what we're dealing with, uh, versus what my grandfather dealt with. So remember that times are different. You're different. You're super valuable, very, very valuable. We're a steal in comparison to so many other healthcare options that are out there. Um, and you know, we get a chance to work with people in a really, really effective, intimate way where we build a good relationship and uh, the rapport of that is, is is important. We should have those long-term relationships as providers, and we're able to do that in this setting. In order to do it, though, you got to be clean in terms of your view with money, your ability to sell, your ability to get the right people in the door via marketing. And if you can do that, you can grow your business to whatever you want. Hey, wait a minute. Just to let you guys know, we are closing in on 200 views on iTunes. That's crazy. Most podcasts hardly get to 100 views, let alone 200. And this is such a niche-specific PT business podcast. That's wild. So let's try to rally the troops and get to 200 reviews for this podcast. The first thing you need to do is you got to sub subscribe to this sucker, whether it's on iTunes or any other platform that you're listening to on, so you know when new episodes are coming out. The next thing, make sure that you leave a review. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I read all of them. It means a lot to me. Next thing, guys, take a screenshot of whatever episode you're listening to and put it in your stories on Instagram and tag me in it. That's at Danny Matei PT. If you do this, I will repost it. So you'll get a bump. I'll get a bump. We'll share this information with a lot more people because that's the goal, guys. We want to get this information in front of a lot more people. So take a screenshot, share it on Instagram stories, tag me in it, and I will repost it. So here we go. Let's try to get to 200 reviews for the podcast. Thanks for listening.